0: The Montfail Muse, stories that connect. Hello and welcome back to the Montfail Muse. I am your host, Joe DeProspero. This is the first episode of calendar year 2020. And there's something about 2020 that feels official and aesthetically pleasing. It's not only the title of a tremendously popular TV show, uh, but it's also synonymous with perfect vision. Something uh, my glasses will tell you I'm pretty unfamiliar with. But speaking of having vision, I was at an event a couple of months ago hosted by someone with great vision, our Chief Inclusion and Diversity Officer, Michelle Meyer-Shipp. The event focused on the concept of being an ally, specifically to groups of people who are often marginalized or discriminated against. At a certain point, Michelle asked the audience to tell their own stories of allyship, and a man stood up and told a story that made the entire room take notice. And in that moment, I knew we had our next guest. So I sat with recruiting senior associate Rudy Favard to discuss the story he told that brought him here, what drives him to lead a life of inclusion, and the revelation he had about why he never saw his father in the stands at his football games. Rudy, I'd like to welcome you to the Montvel Muse podcast. Uh, before we get into the genesis of the conversation and how we came today, can you start us off by telling our listeners who you are and what you do for the firm?
1: Definitely. uh, First and foremost, I just want to thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, For those who don't know, my name is Rudy Favard. I am a senior associate here at KPMG based out of the Montville office, and I currently work within recruiting. I'm part of our talent acquisition, diversity and compliance team, which is a national team that oversees our diversity recruitment efforts for the firm. And you're welcome, by the way. Nope,
0: you never have to thank me, <laughs> but, but it, is, it is much obliged. So a little backstory as to how we connected in the first place, because I just recently met you, and I was at an event on campus in The Exchange that was hosted by our wonderful uh, Chief Inclusion and Diversity Officer, Michelle Meyer Schipp, uh, about allyship. And it came time for audience participation. And I remember you stood up and, and told a brief story, and it was greeted with a round of applause. It was the only one that day that I think was greeted with a round of applause. And it was, was really taken aback by that so much so that I put down in my notes, like get this guy on the podcast. So can you tell our listeners what you said that day, what I found so inspirational and why you did what you did?
1: Uh, Well, first off, I just want to say, thank God I didn't have stage fright that day. No, you didn't. It was, (laughs) it came very naturally to you. Uh, So essentially the story was about when was a time that you were an ally. And when I was thinking about the scenario, I went back to a time back in higher education. Uh, before working with the firm, I actually worked in higher education as a admissions representative, specifically with a focus of diversity of recruitment. And within that diversity of recruitment, I was uh, recruiting students of color, students who identified as LGBTQ+, and uh, just students from all different backgrounds. And one of the things that stuck out to me was All the time when we were working on these diversity events and diversity conferences, different things like that, we would have these events on campus and the kids would come in. And our goal is to make sure that they have the best time of their lives, make sure that they want to come to this university when the time is done and to make sure that they feel like they're coming into an inclusive environment. But what I realized as we were reviewing the applications, it was a student that really, really stood out. The grades were good. Uh, Test scores were there. The whole nine coming from an outreach area. So there were a lot of reasons why we wanted to bring this student to the conference. And when myself and my colleague, when we were reviewing the applications, we realized, well, the student's preferred name is one thing, but the name on their application is another thing. And then their essay... Didn't really go into it as much, but you could tell that there was something there. So uh, us being the diversity counselors that we were, we started probing a little more. And I took the liberty to just call the student. And I said, hey, so your name was X, but I see that you prefer to go as Y. And that's when the student had the conversation and told me, I'm currently transitioning, but I don't necessarily feel comfortable coming out yet because of my parents. And at that point in time, that was my first time dealing with that scenario. I have dealt with students of color from inner cities of Philadelphia, New New Jersey, Boston Public Schools, you name it. I've never dealt with a student that was transitioning. And I think the biggest thing for me at that time was, you know, as a black man in America, I understand my identity, but I also understand how. I may be view or perceived and there is a sense of, hey, I don't get a chance to necessarily be me in this space or that space, but I kind of own it in a certain way and in a certain right. And what struck me the most with this particular student was you don't even get to be yourself at home. So when I started thinking about that, I was like, well, what are we going to do? Myself and my colleague, we talked about it. And essentially we decided, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have one name tag for this student at the event for when they come. So usually mom drops them off and I'm all hyper and stuff. So I'm like grabbing bags. I'm like, mom, you okay? I'm going to make sure that your kid is good. We're going to make sure they have a good time. Just make sure that you come back the whole nine. And I went through my regular spiel with the parents. But once the mother went away, I went up to the student and I said, hey, Give me your name tag. And then the student was kind of confused, like, what was going on? And then I gave the student the other name tag. And when I did that, that student's eyes lit up. I think that was one of the most fulfilling things for me in my career this far, just because I had an opportunity to help someone feel more comfortable with themselves and to essentially find themselves in don't get me wrong, as a recruiter, especially a diversity recruiter, you want your you want the kids to come to your university. You want to make sure that you're beating the competition. But at, at that point in time, it was bigger than that. It was just more so about making sure that that student knew, regardless of what walk of life or whatever is going on in your life, if you come here, you're going to have a home. And if that's your preferred name, that's what you're going to be called.
0: So I think that's wonderful because – We all want to surround ourselves with people who enable us to be ourselves. And it's unfortunate. It's it's incredibly unfortunate that this person didn't have the ability to do that at home. But you facilitated a situation where they could be themselves outside of the home, at least. Give them a little bit of comfort. And I could, I mean, I don't even need to meet the person to know that. I'm sure you gave them a great amount of peace in that moment. So that's terrific.
1: Yeah, I mean, oftentimes, we don't even know what people are going through, you know, and I I had a friend, God rest his soul, my line brother, he always used to tell me, when it's raining in your basement, it's pouring in somebody else's, and we get so caught up in the day-to-day and what's going on in our lives that... We don't get a chance to see what's going on. You know, we just had that heads up culture conversation yesterday. And I think that's really important, too, because as much as it's heads down and we want to get things done and out the way, it's important to look to your left, look to your right and be able to see what's going on with your colleagues and to be able to make sure that, hey, yeah, I want to make sure that you're doing well. That way we can get the project done. But I want to make sure you're doing well because you're a person just like me. So, Rudy, what? What initially
0: inspired you to
1: get involved
0: w- with recruiting specifically recruiting with an emphasis on diversity?
1: Uh well, it's kind of two-ended. So in regards to recruiting, I've always been and in- just that excited, go lucky person, always trying to smile, always trying to encourage people. And I naturally had that personality. Even outside of your career? Yeah, definitely outside of my career. I mean, uh, playing football, whenever a coach had uh, someone assigned in college, I was always their host because like Rudy's going to make sure that that kid comes. Uh, Within my fraternity, I was the recruitment chair and I was in charge of intake and making sure that we had brothers joining our organization. But The diversity part was really my biggest emphasis because I hate bullies. I was that kid, I was bullied when I was younger, but as I grew up and I kind of grew into my stature, I was the one trying to make sure that other people weren't bullied. I always wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance to kind of feel the same peace that I have. And that ties into diversity because if we let other people exclude others for whatever reason, based on whatever creed or whatever is going on in your life, then eventually they're going to exclude you. And, you know, I'm really big on opportunities. I'm one of those you miss 100% of the shots you don't take type of person. So you're not going to exclude me from my shots. And I definitely feel like it's my responsibility to make sure that those shots aren't taken from other people, especially when they deserve it. So that's how I was able to fuse the two and kind of be on this career path right now. So I try really hard not to gush over my
0: guests. It's it's difficult with you, because you're you're generally one of the nicest people I've, I've ever met. Just <laughs> genuinely nice. So, is that a product of your environment? Is that genetic? I mean, how do I bottle this up and and, and use this for myself? It's it's for selfish reasons. I ask.
1: I just I just want to I just want to know the secret, man. I mean, for me, first and foremost, definitely keeping God first. But second of all. I think my upbringing and kind of seeing life from my lens allowed me to have this perspective. Uh, You know, growing up, it wasn't necessarily the best for me, and I kind of had to make it the best in a lot of senses. My mother, she had me when she was 43, and my parents, they're both immigrants. So coming to America to start a new life and then having a kid in a country that you're not even familiar with, that was a lot. And there were times when I didn't get all the Christmas gifts and all that stuff, there were times when you know i I always had a meal I always had a roof over my head, but you I wasn't exposed to the quote unquote finer things in life, and you know, even growing up as an athlete, I was able to play Division one football, which is great, but having my father not be at my games all the time that kind of built some resentment in me, but I realized well. He's not at your games because he has to keep the lights on, you know, and it's hard as a, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kid. You're you're going up and you're playing well and everybody's parents are coming up to you, but then your parents aren't there. And you I come you yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't see it in that context as a, as a teenager. Exactly. But then I, I come home and my father, he's coming home at 1130, 1135 on the dot. I can still see it if I close my eyes right now. And he's a nursing assistant and he's working a double. So he's coming home at 1130. And then after that, he's going back out at work at 6am. So then I have that perspective and I'm like, Oh, all y'all want me to do is work out. Or even now corporately, it's like oh, all you want me to do is stay up and do this report? That's nothing compared to what my family had to do. So I think it's just having that perspective of gratitude that allows me to be this person that I am today. And hopefully my goal is to be contagious too. Let's take a minute to
0: hear about an opportunity to connect on campus. So if listening to Rudy has inspired you to be even more deliberately inclusive in the way you live your life, I've got just the event for you. On January 23rd from 12 to 6 in the Exchange, we'll be diving deeper into the conversations that were started with the Day of Understanding and Talking Inclusion with an event we're calling the Ally Summit. Driven by our Montville Business Resource Groups, the Ally Summit, which includes lunch and a post-event happy hour, will see us come together to discuss how we can all foster a thriving team environment by being intentionally inclusive. Look for a formal invitation in your email if you haven't received it yet. By the time you're hearing this, you will be receiving it soon. I will certainly be there, and I hope you will be too. So we talk a lot about overcoming adversity on this podcast. What's the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome, and how did you overcome it, if you did?
1: You know what? I was kind of prepping myself for this question, but... I'm going to stay on my relationship with my father because my dad's literally my hero. Like he's, so I'm about 5'10, 5'11, 220. I used to play linebacker in college and my father, he's like 5'5, like 160, So wet. People always make fun of us and like, yo, where, where did he come from? Like you sure he's yours? Like that type of thing. And it's. It's really hard for me because he's instilled so much in me between work ethic, hustle, how to treat people. He sh- he taught me networking before I really understood what networking was, just the power of relationships. But again, I didn't have that typical. He's at my games. He's at all my events, and he has that. He had the ability to be there in that capacity for me, which I think I, the older I get, the more I realize how much I needed. But then when I take a step back, I'm like, he had to provide. And even now, I'm so grateful for him because, and I think this is what helps me get over it. I'm so grateful for him because it's like, I wouldn't be in the position I am right now if it wasn't for my father and his sacrifices. You know, like, it's funny because when I got the job at the firm and, you know, we're compensated well here, me working one job, I make more than my father who's working two, sometimes three jobs. And then my father's looking at me like, what you do again? Or like, you sure? Like, "Every like you, there's nothing crazy going on. I'm yeah. like, yeah, dad, like, nah, like, and you know, we, from a business perspective, we're always talking about return on your investment. Sure. And like I was able to tell him like, dad, I want to make sure you get your return on investment because you did all of these things despite coming from Haiti and X, Y, and Z, working those two, three jobs, all that, to make sure that I'm in this position. And then now I'm here, so it was like, all right, like, you did it, you know? And I want to make sure that, because my my parents are older again, I want to make sure that before my time with them is gone, they at least know before they leave this earth, like, no, everything I did, it was worth it.
0: A child thinking about a return on investment from the perspective of the children to their parents is something I've never heard before. I have nothing else for that. I just, thought was <laughs> I just thought that was pretty amazing how you think about things in those terms. Yeah. Like return, well, it was almost like a, not like a business transaction, but kind of along those lines, like, listen, this person did this for me. Let me do everything within my power to, to give back to them as much as I can.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, that all goes back to the immigrant background because you got to put yourself in their shoes. You're fleeing a country for the hope of an opportunity for the hope of something better. Because it's not guaranteed. Like, yeah, there's a chance. It's, it's not guaranteed. So growing up, like, yeah, my father was working those two, three jobs. But he was trying to make sure that, no, like, you will do better. When our name is in this state, you will do more for our family, for the Favards. And I kind of I, I wear that as a badge of honor. Like, that's my chip on my shoulder. That's the thing that is like, all right, I'm doing this for the family name. So... Rudy, do you know what's next? Do you know
0: what's coming? Uh,
1: Because this is
0: a different part of the podcast that's going to take a sharp left turn. It's the lightning round portion of the podcast. Oh, man.
1: I don't know if I'm ready, but let's go.
0: Better start getting ready. Seven questions with five seconds to answer each one. And here we go. If you had to live in any other U.S. state other than where you are
1: now, where would it be? Mm, Right now... I think we'll go with either Florida or California especially this time of year that's that's a good point yeah I think so I'm originally from Boston now living in New Jersey and I'm so tired of the cold so let me get somewhere warmer and then the lake house is over there in Florida so let, let me work out of that office right I like it can't blame you
0: <laughs> what was your favorite subject in school please don't judge me but
1: PE hands down hey that's an honest answer and i'd agree with you yeah and like i was a gym class here i'm talking about any sport i was trying to be the best at yeah why wouldn't it be your favorite thing (laughs) yeah the alternative what's your what was your least favorite
0: subject in school
1: Hmm. believe it or not uh least favorite subject i'd say was probably writing or english and you know what's the worst part? I've always been told like, wow, like you're an orator, you could speak and yeah. this, that, and the third. But yeah, I agree. I hated writing. I was like, again, I'm I'm showing my hand, but I remember like growing up and doing projects, I was the kid that was like, okay, you guys do the work, I'll present it. And then, you know <laughs> Well, they're two very different skills, writing and speaking. So obviously exactly. you got the speaking part
0: down, but if you don't like writing, it's not your thing.
1: Yeah, but I think that, you know, kinda checking my skill set and wanting to get better, I realized that the better I become at writing or the better I become at putting together those things, it allows me to be a better speaker. So I'm I'm getting better at it. So you're sitting in a waiting room for an hour. How do you occupy your time? Uh, I'm going to sound like such a millennial, but I'm going right to Instagram, Twitter. Not only millennials. (laughs) Definitely going to throw LinkedIn in there and make sure my business profile is up to date. But that, that's probably my first go-to in the waiting room. I think that's probably 99% of us. <laughs> Upon joining
0: KPMG, what's the thing that impressed you the most?
1: You know what? I think one of the biggest things that impresses me about KPMG is, although it's such a large company, there's still a sense of having that close-knit community, and that's something that I thrive with. Because uh, in every experience, whether it be academic or the organizations that I've worked for, you work better when you feel like you're on a team. You work better when you feel like you have a community. And uh, I know just yesterday, uh, I'm expecting. Well, myself and my fiance, she reminds me all the time. I'm not expecting, this, but myself and <laughs> you're my expecting fiance, her to have one. <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting her to have our first child, which is awesome. And you, uh, it was so funny because. My team and a lot of the people that are around my cube, they all came together and threw me a surprise baby shower. And for me, I was like, wait, y'all threw a baby shower for me? And then I didn't even know about it. It It's like I was running around. My joke is, oh, so you lied to me. You lied to me. And you could lie to me, too. So I'm looking at them differently, but I'm grateful. This is a question I
0: like to ask a lot of guests. Who do you call with good news? First person I call with good news, definitely my fiance. And that we kind of, I think, covered this already, but who's your
1: personal hero? Personal hero definitely have to be Pops, man. Joseph Sorrell Favard. That's my guy. So speaking of Pops, uh,
0: do you feel ready to be one yourself?
1: Not at all. (laughs) And and it's so crazy because I'm having a daughter. Her name is going to be Raven Rose Favard. Oh, cool. You got the name already. Yeah, we got the name and everything. That's the most stressful part
0: of of this part of the process is the name.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, and it... I always used to say, man, I'm not man enough to have a daughter. Like, if it's a boy, that's easy. But like a girl, I don't know. But I feel like if God put a daughter in my life, then, hey, I got to be ready for something. So let's go. Let's get it. As they say, God gives you what you are, what, what
0: you can handle. I hope so. You're going to be a great dad. I have no doubt. No doubt at all. Hey, my fingers are still crossing
1: underneath this table. So,
0: <laughs> so Rudy, I, I just when I saw you speak at that Ally event, it reminded me of a word that I cooked into my own personal mission statement here on the podcast, and that word is inspirational. We want inspirational guests, and you certainly fit the bill um, because being inspirational is such a wonderful thing. It is what drives us to be better versions of ourselves, and I can tell you after this conversation, I feel inspired to be the best version of myself that I can be because of you, and uh, I'm sure many others who are listening feel the same. So
1: thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and that means a lot, you saying that. I don't take that lightly, so thank you.
0: You've been listening to our campus podcast series, The Montfail Muse. To nominate yourself or a colleague to be a guest in the show, feel free to contact me directly either via email at jdeprospero at kpng.com or simply stop me in the hall. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.